Hello, everyone, and welcome to Living Life Aloud. I'm your host, Jason Wiggin. Our guest today is Dr. Juliet Sturkins, who recently retired from her private practice in audiology in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, to volunteer as the National Hearing Loop Advocate for the Hearing Loss Association of America. In this capacity, she presents at professional conferences, consumer events on the benefits and the use of hearing aids and hearing loops. Her efforts have leveraged over 300 induction hearing loops in Wisconsin and many more beyond that. Dr. Sturkins holds a master's degree in audiology from the University of Wisconsin in Oshkosh and a doctor of audiology degree from Arizona School of Health Sciences. For all these efforts, she has received several awards, including the Wisconsin Audiologist of the Year, the American Academy of Audiology Presidential Award, the Humanitarian of the Year Award from the Arizona School of Health Sciences, and the Larry Malden Award from Belltone, a part of GN Resound. She is the creator of www.loopwisconsin.com, an informational website for consumers, audiovisual specialists, and hearing care professionals. She truly lives everything about hearing loops and this technology. I now bring you Dr. Juliet Sturkins. So I'm here with Dr. Juliet Sturkins, and today we're going to be talking about lots of things, but uh, definitely everything hearing loop and T-coil access. Um, and Juliet, I'd like to uh, start with, as we were talking a few minutes ago, I Detected a bit of an accent. So uh, why don't you give us a little bit about your background? It's great. It's beautiful, by the way. Okay. I want you to know that. But um, give us a little bit of your background and what, what brought you to where you're at today. Well, Jason, nothing wrong with your hearing. None. Um, no. My, uh, my, I, I'm originally from the Netherlands. Born and raised in the Netherlands. Um, and studied speech-language pathology. And while I was going to school, I met my then future husband, who was in the military. He was a captain in the U.S. Army. Okay. And uh, we dated long distance um, for almost three years. And uh, I made the move from the Netherlands to Oshkosh, Wisconsin, of all places, where I ended up going to grad graduate school in audiology. So I'm an audiologist. Well... So how long ago was that? How long have you been here in the U.S.? 40 years this okay. October. All right. Number one, and our listeners know, and if they don't, if this is the first time listening, here you go. I am from Chicago. You being from Wisconsin, nobody is going to question your nationality, okay? Because as you well know, you know, you're close to Canada. You got a little bit of, I mean, especially Oshkosh, you know, um, I was before regional manager in uh, Chicago for a break ball club. So I had a lot of road drivers, truck drivers coming in every night. And um, yeah, lots of farmer boys, 
Lots of, oh, yeah, bet you we go to Door County. You'll have a good time. <laughs> so but, uh, you you blend. I bet you blend well. It's a good place. Um, it is. My husband tried to woo me uh, by showing Door County. He also would open up the phone book and say, see, there's lots of Dutch people who live <laughs> in Wisconsin. Lots of Vandervelds and Vanderzees and Van Zeeland. And... I would meet people and they would say something to me and they say, oh, but I'm from Dutch descent. So then I would switch to Dutch and they go, oh, oh, oh no, 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 yeah. no. It's only my mother or my grandfather who was Dutch. Well, and here in the U.S., unfortunately, like, and I've traveled to Europe, just, you know, vacation stuff. And when I was a student in undergrad and English is a lot of people speak English are bilingual, right? They speak here. Yeah, no, unless you're down and we're, we're seeing more Spanish, we see more, of course, I'm sure there's pockets, but in general, it's not. Hey, you know, the Netherlands, it's a quarter the size of Wisconsin, 16 million people. And, you know, who in the world speaks Dutch, but the South Afrikaners yeah. and the people in the Netherlands and a few in Belgium. So yeah. we learn German, French, English. Um, and oh, then while I was going to school, Russian started to become in vogue. And I think they now also teach Spanish and um, Chinese and starting mm. in high school. You got to start it early. Yeah. Um, and practice it. And of course, I grew up watching sure. American television. So oh, I had an okay. ear. And then being in speech language pathology, I have just an ear for accents. It's sure. a good thing I moved to Wisconsin. The mm. accents in Wisconsin are kind of American accent. Yeah. Had I moved to the South, my family would have never <laughs> forgiven me. <laughs> yeah. So I'm down here in South Carolina and it's, uh, it's definitely a, definitely a difference. Definitely a difference. You know, it's, it's I endearing. Still... No, it's very sweet, but that my is. family it's... wouldn't have enjoyed listening to it. No, no, especially with, and yourself with some speech pathology training prior to coming to the U S you'd yeah. probably want to diagnose a lot of folks saying, Oh, we're not, uh, that's not phonetically correct. Um, not the phone. Yes, I do have that. I have a lot of issues with people saying that person, a person is a who, uh, a thing is a that. And so um, I have to really restrain myself to, because I learned proper English or, or, sure. or at least I learned it. Yeah. I didn't, um, wasn't brought up with it. Right, right. Hmm. So here I am, Oshkosh, Wisconsin. So after, okay, so. Um, I never left. Begin? Yeah, that's great. That's great. It's, uh, Wisconsin is a beautiful state. It really is. Every And coming out of Chicago. You either vacation at the Dells, right, or up in, um, you know, Boston and very, very, you know, Kohler has a resort, um, Door County, like you Door said. Door County is beautiful. Um, you know, beautiful. or you go to the other side of the lake yep. into Michigan. Um, that's all. That's all people in Chicago. That's all they know. Yep. That's all. That's yeah, sort of vacation. I, I loved it. I, and I thought that I would... Um, do more ice skating, but the ice is pretty bad for skating. Hmm. Um, but really? what's great here are all the lakes. So yeah, we true. did a lot of windsurfing all over Door County, Lake Michigan. Um, it's yes. a lovely state. Yeah. And um, that was before we had kids. But anyway, I went to grad school. And right after grad school, I ended up working in an audiology practice. So you did grad school here in the States? Here in the States. Okay. I went back to school. 
Where'd you go? Uh, UW Oshkosh. They okay. had a graduate program um, with uh, just a phenomenal professor, Dr. Jack Kyle, and um, loved going. And by then, I had already worked in the Netherlands in specialized audiology center. In Eindhoven. And so I had lots of experience testing difficult to test kids, unusual hearing losses. And uh, so when I moved here and I went to grad school, I mean, I just fit right in. I was able to do all the testing and it was fun. It was fun. And then, yeah, I got to do the hands-on part that I didn't do in the Netherlands. So You're probably a little ahead of the curve to knowing a little more than, well, honestly, than the average 19-year-old or not 19, 22-year-old coming out of undergrad. Yeah. So. Okay, so after you got done grad school, I'm sorry, you said you were in, what was your first work environment? Uh, An audiology practice, a private practice in audiology. And I I think I started there in 1993. And uh, 1998 rolls around, and I'm about uh, six months pregnant. And I bought the practice with a friend. Huh, that was... Uh, I don't advise that to anybody. I was going to say the planning could have been better, but, you know, I don't know. You got to pull the trigger at some point. Exactly. And um, best thing I ever did. Wow. It allowed me to practice audiology the way I thought it should be practiced. Um, okay. Very uh, rehab-oriented, very um, personal. I mean... I cannot just meet somebody. I have to get involved in their whole life, you know, right. and 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 share my life with them. And so, um, I love being in private practice. Yeah. So, and are you're no longer in private practice? You have no, moved on, or I've moved on. How it's it's a lot. You want the long or the short version? Jason? Oh, you know what? Yeah, we got we got time. Give us we a got long time. version. Okay. So the, <laughs> the the long version is that um, having practiced as long as I did, I had seen the whole development of hearing aids. I mean, when I first started, we were fitting body hearing aids on little kiddos. Body aid in the front with a cord to the right ear, body aid strapped to the back with a cord to the left ear, Um, FM systems. I mean, we did everything to get these kids to hear. And then, of course, we saw behind the ear hearing aids. Um, In the mid-90s, we saw digitally programmable hearing aids. And then the first um, fully digital hearing aids coming out. And, and it was clear that my patients could hear better with these newer devices as long as it was quiet. They did okay, one-on-one, face-to-face, small gatherings. But you know the complaints about church, theater, um, large meetings or lectures, they continue to complain. And, you know, and as audiologists we jump into our counseling mode. Um, So I did oral rehab classes for people with their hearing aids, how to get the most from your hearing aid. I taught classes at the senior center. Um, And, and, you know, you you tell your clients, you got to go early, sit in the front, 
because, you know, hearing aids have a limited range. The effective range of a hearing aid is maybe six, eight, 10 feet, depending on your degree of hearing loss and the person you're talking to. And um, I would tell them, when you go to church, pick up the listening devices that we have in the church. I funded some of those devices at church. I would go tell them in the theater, you got to go early, go to the front desk, pick up the listening devices. They're going to help you hear better. And you know what they all said? It's okay. I, you know, it's only an hour in church. I'm, I'm all right. Um, and they did certainly didn't want to see sit in the theater with a pair of earphones on their ears, right? And I'm, I'm, I see that there's going to be a meeting in Ashka, in in Wisconsin, um, with a lecturer by the name of Dr. David Myers. Okay. And and there were three reasons I went there. It was in Menominee Falls, uh, Menominee, where my daughter was going to school at UW Stout. Um, So we got to see her. Um, There's great biking um, in in Wisconsin. And we have a tandem. So, you know, we're going to be on our tandem bicycling. (laughs) And I can listen to Dr. Dave Myers um, talk about hearing loops. And I'm going He's going to talk about hearing loops. There were hearing loops in the schools for the deaf and the hard of hearing back in the 70s when I was doing my student teaching. Oh, yeah, right. And there were no hearing loops in the U.S. And so um, I went to the meeting and David Myers, Dr. Myers from Hope College, is saying how he has been able to foster hundreds of hearing loops in western Michigan. Uh, and I'm the only audiologist in the room. The room is filled with members of the HLAA of Wisconsin group. There, some of them are having their first hearing loop moment in this room. And I'm watching this and I'm observing this. And it's clear they are hearing so much better with their hearing aids in the hearing loop. And Dave Myers is talking about hearing loops. And I'm in the back going, Oh, my God, there's the missing link. This is what my patients are going to benefit from because Dr. Myers is talking how a hearing loop transforms your hearing aid or cochlear implant. It transforms it into a speaker for the PA system. The moment you turn on your telecoil, inside a loop, you are hearing the presenter as if he or she is just inches away from the mouth of the speaker. And it was clear. And so I'm hearing David Meyer speak in that room. And as he is completing his lecture and packing up his bag, I I go up to him and I say, "I'm, I'm an audiologist. I would love to do this in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. This is going to be great for my patients. And he hands me his card and he says, email me. I got to run. I have a plane to catch. Dave Myers speaks all over the world. Some of his books have sold eight, nine million times. He writes psychology textbooks. Is he a, so is he a psychologist? He's a psychologist um, taught at Hope College. But 
as he was losing his hearing, it became harder and harder for him to teach. Oh, so and he's got a hearing he does, loss. He's got hearing That's loss. That's brought it to Okay. Familial right. hearing you know, loss. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Um, and, um, it, and maybe, you know, and I'm just going to make a suggestion. It's your podcast, not mine. Um, but you may want to play an audio recording of what it sounds like in versus out of the hearing loop. Because I can explain to you how Dutch cheese tastes, but you don't know how Dutch cheese tastes until you have it in your mouth. Exactly. And here in the States, we know we know Gouda, okay? That's all there is. Dutch Gouda. There's nothing else. Okay, you guys, I think there's some chocolate that came out of the Netherlands. It's pronounced um, Gouda. See, Jason, see, I'm see, so I'm sorry. sorry. No, you're 100% I'm so sorry. right. This that is, is so ignorance Dutch. on our part. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Are you kidding me? If I admit, I'm in South Carolina, if I mispronounce cities, I still get corrected. Okay. 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 I mean, you know, it's not, you know, there's a, a street in Columbia, H U G E R. Hooker. Okay. Okay. Uh, no, they, I said, and kind of like a German. What you know, do you say it? <laughs> well, I, the first time I said it, I said, well, when I come into downtown, I get off on Huger Street. Huger, kind of like Ruger, right? Uh, no, no, no. They pronounce it UG. Oh, I'm just saying, totally you different. are, are yep. 100% validated in correcting my pronunciation of. Of, it's my favorite too. What what say it again? What kind? Gouda. Gouda. The G's in all Dutch are kind of silent or glottal. They're kind of glottal unless okay. you live in the southern part of the Netherlands, and then it becomes Gouda. Okay, gets a little stronger. More there about. are hundreds of dialects I'm in sure. the Netherlands. We are not going to go there anyway. <laughs> I was just That's making fine. a suggestion. No, no, you're right. And I will definitely, uh, the, we will link a, um, a um, example um, of listening with T-coil versus on oh, T-coil. Yeah. Telecoil. And, and maybe we should, for the listeners who are listening to this podcast and who are wearing hearing aids and going, what the heck is a T-coil? Maybe right. we ought to um, explain that a little bit. That was going to be my next question, 100%. So, and, and thank you. T-coil, telecoil, which is, again, a, a, a piece of the technology. So um, just talk us through the basic components. What what exactly is a loop? I mean, aside uh, from a circle and these elevated train in Chicago, okay, the loop, um, everything within that. But anyway, take us through the basic components. What we got here? So in a hearing loop in its simplest form is copper wire laid around the perimeter of um, a room, a facility, a church, an auditorium, although frequently it's an array of wires. It's more than one loop. Right. But when there is a current running through a looped wire, it creates a magnetic field inside that loop. And those very, very minor, very minute changes in the magnetic field can be picked up by a coil, okay. a coil that is found inside of hearing aids. So we're not talking about a big coil. We're talking about an absolute tiny little eighth of an inch by a sixteenth of an inch tightly wound coil right. that's found in hearing aids. 
it is a no-cost or very low-cost option in hearing aids. And More it's available in all cochlear implant processors. Okay. Yeah. And again, I, as you are as well, and most folks listening, if they have ever used devices, it is a part of the hearing aid, just kind of like oftentimes the battery door or the, right, the dome on the end or okay, exactly. the button, the, the switch. Okay. In the older hearing aids, the, the switch that activated the telecoil was a slide switch. So you okay. would slide it from M on microphone to T for telecoil. Sure. And the telecoil was predominantly used initially for use on the telephone. Because hmm. the old Marbell telephones had a coil built inside the handset part in the right. earpiece part, okay. and that handset created a magnetic field so that if you switched your T coil on, oh, two wow. things happened. Yeah. It turned off the microphone so that your hearing aid wouldn't squeal when you put your phone close to your ear. And secondly, you would, would get direct transference from the sound of the phone into the hearing aid, bypassing the microphone. Right. Okay. And, and that piece of technology, the T-coil, um, can also pick up these changes in the magnetic field in, in a hearing loop. And hearing loops come in different sizes, meaning you can loop your TV room. Um, that's probably the, the easiest thing for a consumer to do, yeah. and it, which will allow them to use their hearing aid to receive the sound wirelessly from the TV in their ear. Right. Um, but you can also have a loop on a service desk where someone is selling you tickets behind glass and it's hard to hear the person. Well, if there's a loop built into that ticket counter and you switch your hearing aid to T-coil and there's a microphone on the other side of the screen, you will hear that sound from the person behind the glass wirelessly. So, and, and this takes me back to Dr. Myers. Right. Okay. Because in the UK, hearing loops are everywhere. That's what you've always they, heard. Here in the U.S., it's like, oh, they're all over the place in Europe. They're all over the place throughout the world. Then what's going on here? I mean, Well, in go this ahead. country, the focus has been on getting hearing aids, on buying hearing aids that are small, that are invisible. And to make hearing aids small, to make a CIC, a completely in the canal hearing aid small, right. guess what they took out? Take out the T-coil, take out whatever they can. They took out whatever they could, and they took out the telecoil. But in the UK, hearing aids are covered under the national health care insurance, right. Right. and all their hearing aids were mandated to have a telecoil. So something in this is, I don't want to run off on a tangent, but I don't want to say the majority, maybe. Well, yeah, the majority, as far as my knowledge, of hearing aid manufacturers are based in Europe are based overseas. We have one major one here up in Minnesota. However, so if they're producing, if they, <clears throat> the majority of users benefit from the T-coil through 
public venues and things like that. You know, what they just said, well, the U.S., they're a little different, you know, <laughs> and we have our own line or. It's a little bit, yeah, we, unfortunately, the manufacturers respond to what they think consumers want. It's market trends. And they think, yeah. they think consumers want small. And I'm telling you my experience is consumers don't want small. Consumers want hearing aids that work. That's they true. want hearing aids that help them hear, not just at home, not just in the car. They want hearing aids that help them hear in the theater and in a lecture and in um, in the church where they go every week. And so it was David Myers who is in the UK, he's actually in Scotland visiting Ione Abbey. He's wearing hearing aids. He is sitting at Ione Abbey where the sound is bouncing off the walls. He can't hear worth much. <laughs> I will just use a very polite <laughs> right. word. He can't hear much. His wife points at a sign on the wall. It's a hearing loop symbol. And Dave turns on his telecoil and he has a hearing loop moment hmm. in this church. Now, a hearing loop moment is a very solitary moment. It's when you go, oh, my God, I can hear every word. Well, of course, because when you turn on your telecoil, you turn off your microphone so you don't hear any background noise and you're hearing pure sound from the minister in your ear. It's like the minister is talking to you. And no, Dave, being a social psychologist, went back to Holland, Michigan and thought, how can I foster this technology, the adoption of this technology in my home community of Holland, Michigan? And that's how he started this in the early 2000s. And I'll be honest, I thought I was doing a pretty good job of reading the journals and the hearing loss magazine and trying to stay on top of things. But I missed a number of articles until I heard him speak in 2008. And it was one of these, these life-changing moments for me, which led me to retire in 2012 to become the hearing loop advocate for the Hearing Loss Association of America, to answer that question from a yep. few questions back. <laughs> that's, that's fine. Uh, uh, that's, that's amazing. That's um that's really the, and you see the hearing loop moment, you know, an aha moment, right? Absolutely. You know, talk about it. It's like you just stop and say, oh my gosh. How could have I, I have missing? How have I not known that this existed? And I guess that's, that's really the, the theme of, of this discussion is, 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 is why is it not as common as it is. And I'll get back to that in a second. I do want to unpack a couple things that you had said uh, earlier. One thing is patients still to this day, 2021 complaint there. I don't have the survey in front of me. Biggest complaints are understanding in groups, church. I still don't hear TV very well. I can't hear in background noise restaurant. I can't understand the server. It's the same theme, the same things. Now, the stigmas of 
not wanting to, again, whether or not they had hearing aids, but especially individuals maybe don't, they don't want to go ask at the movie theater, can I have a headset? Is this captioned? And again, captioning of, I think it's, I'm not sure, one of the major um, theater groups has captioning on, they offer um, showings of blockbusters, of new movies, right, with the captions. But the stigma where, ah, it's only an hour. I get, however, they'll say that it's only an hour in church, but then when they come to the audiologist or the ENT office and they get tested and they end up with the audiologist, that's one of the first things they say. I have no idea what the preacher's saying, the pastor, that's right. the priest. That's right. So, and- you know, so there's that. Audiologists, in my experience, and this is both as a hearing impaired individual, Okay, individual with hearing loss. I don't want to use a, you know, well, I understand there's some sensitivity with that definitely. So, but as an individual with hearing loss, um, you know, late deafened, post-lingual, I never got a talking to, talk, that's a Southern phrase. I never got a talking to about hearing loops, about, and I had gotten rather quickly to the moderate to profound to a great degree hearing loss. Okay. Yeah. So there's that. So it's patients still complain about the same things. The same stigmas exist. The same concerns that, of course, these individuals have regarding using anything. And the fact that audiologists still do not advocate or talk about T-coils in this technology, and and this is not uh, this is not a negative spin at all. So I don't want listeners to think no. that, or definitely you. Um, no. It is a fact, though, that most uh, I, I don't want to just broad brush say all manufacturers, but the majority of manufacturers have removed made T-coils an option now. I've ordered them myself. That if you don't request the model that has a T coil in it, and I'm not talking about in the ear CICs, I'm talking about a, a receiver in the canal, exactly. That you have to request a T coil. When I'm ordering for kids for pediatrics, I got to make sure that I order the full size receiver in the ear or a full size rig as opposed to the mini or even the standard. You just ordered their ordered their current model, level five, seven, nine. There's no T coil in it. You know how many times? And this this happened increasingly over the past, I mean since I've been yes. so the past six, eight years, where yes. I don't have a T coil. What do you mean you don't have a T coil? So I there's, guess there's the questions really I good have, news. I'm yeah. sorry. There is good news on that. Well, and so and so the the questions I have, I guess, is considering all that. And (laughs) I know it's a lot to answer too. where are we today and why aren't we further? Well, why aren't we further? You got to start somewhere. I mean, the interstate system wasn't built overnight. And I hope it was built 70 years ago. Exactly. So I, I have to keep reminding yourself of that but we have come to a time where there is a lot more awareness among audiologists that hearing aids no matter what technology is inside the device the hearing aids depend on the microphone 100%. Closer, you know, the closer you get sound to the microphone, the better the signal to noise ratio, and therefore the easier it is um, for a person with hearing loss to understand. And it, it, it to a certain extent, 
beyond six feet, it doesn't matter what make, model, um, technology you wear on your ear. The hearing aid is limited as to what it can do with noise suppression, directional microphones, and all the special frequency shaping that we can do with the hearing aid to accommodate the hearing loss. And that I don't need. That's due to physics. That's because sound distance. It's a physics problem. It's an absolute physics problem. Intensity function. Exactly. Intensity function. It doubles uh, for the every every time your distance doubles, the intensity decreases. Six decibels. Six decibels. Six decibels. So this isn't. It's. It's. I guess that that the fundamental thing, and and I'm glad you're speaking to that. Is no matter what a hearing aid. Okay. Is collecting sound, digitizing it, and then putting it back into an impaired ear. So the physics of sound outside of the person's ear canal and auditory system is still the main driver of, 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 of intensity of success of you've got to have, I say success, you know, you've got to have the signal to work with the best computer in the world. can't do anything if it doesn't have input. And the manufacturers have responded to this. What do manufacturers provide with a lot of hearing aids? They provide remote microphones. They provide TV streamers that stream the sound direct into the hearing aid. They provide direct connection to smartphones, right? I am taking it one step further and saying in public venues where the law, the American law, the the Americans with Disability Act law mandates that public venues such as theaters, library meeting rooms, uh, auditoria, uh, airports, train station, anywhere where audio is amplified, the law specifies an assistive technology system shall be provided. So when you go to the theater to see Hamilton at the Oriental Theater in Chicago and you have trouble hearing, they by law are required to provide an assistive technology. But because so many people didn't have a telecoil in their hearing aid, the system of choice became the FM system and and or infrared systems. So when you go to a theater, you have to go to the service desk to pick up a listening device Mm. in order to pick up that FM signal or that infrared signal. If the theater were to install a hearing loop, all the people who have hearing aids with telecoils, all they would have to do, walk into the theater, sit down, activate their T-coil inside the hearing aid, and they'd be able to be tied into the PA system from the theater. Now, the good news is that a lot of new hearing aids are what I call superfecta hearing aids. Okay. You know what superfecta hearing aids are? I know superfecta is for because I, uh, I like the I like thoroughbred racing. So it's trifecta, the superfecta, superfecta. <laughs> you hit so the superfecta, superfecta, you get a lot of money. And and what's superfecta about the hearing aid? Number one, it has a small form factor. 
So it meets the the requirement of a lot of people who don't want a wear, to wear a large device on their ear. They're getting a device that can be easily hidden either behind the ear or in the ear. Then the hearing aid has wireless technology built in. So they can have a direct connection via Bluetooth to their smartphone or a TV streamer or a remote microphone. It has a rechargeable battery. A lot of consumers like having rechargeability. At night, they just put their hearing aids in the charger. And for a long time, manufacturers could give you three of the four items. The telecoil. The telecoil perfects the hearing aid. If you have small, wireless, uh, rechargeable, and a T-coil, now you've got the best of all worlds in your hearing aid and the manufacturers are responding. So, but it's taken them some time because I really believe it's been difficult for them to fit all of this technology in a very small package, but that time has come. Good news. So something else for individual hearing aids. Yes. But I've seen where they have headsets that a non-hearing aid user, a person without hearing loss, could use, could wear, that also connect to the T-coil system. So yes. It seems like, so, you know, Bluetooth FM, and, and the biggest thing I want to say, you know, for our listeners, uh, the biggest difference, and I, I talk to folks about this a lot, <clears throat> excuse me, when I'm fitting them, is Bluetooth and infrared is shorter wave. FM and... um infrared you mean and, i'm sorry fm and, and infrared yep. yes correct and and so they don't they don't work at um you know the same kind of distance they're only for one person right one to one not group situations stuff like that so so if again the loop system and and this is not just asking rhetorically like i know the answer i don't as an audiologist or hearing impaired or uh, someone who has hearing loss if it can serve those with hearing aids and be coupled, have a headset with like a little battery pack, you know, that you wear on your hip or you use just like you use a FM system when you go get those headsets. Why? I, I, I can't even formulate the question. How is it not the go-to for access in 2021? It is becoming it. The good news is that since 2008, 2009, there has been a huge push around the country, not in the least to the thanks of Dr. David Myers, who has behind the scenes continuing to push and advocate for hearing loops, but he has turned on, if you will, an army of hearing loop advocates in Seattle, in South Carolina. Jason, I can get you connected to some advocates in your area. Um, In Florida, in Michigan, um, in New Mexico, in California. And, And he... You know, he activated me, if you will, um, out of my own free will. I mean, I retired from my practice um, to become the loop advocate. And in that um, position, if you will, I traveled the country. 
I teach consumers about hearing aids and that if they are in the market for hearing aids, they ought to buy a hearing aid with a telecoil. I also have some good news for some of the listeners who are listening. Eh, I've got hearing aids that are maybe two or three years old. I'm not in the market for a new hearing aid. But boy, this really sounds like that telecoil could be useful. Several manufacturers now offer the telecoil in an accessory. So if you have a hearing aid that's two or three years old, you can go back to your audiologist, buy that accessory that applies to cochlear implant users as well. And with that little remote, you can now hear in your local church, in your theater, if and when they have a loop installed. Right. So there, there is a way around it. And like you said, if there's, let's say, um, the theater has a loop installed, but you don't have a T-coil in your hearing aid, then you could go to the service desk, back to the service deck, desk, and pick up a loop listening device. And I happen to have one here. Um, it has the telecoil built in. Um, So it's a small amplifier that can be used one-on-one if you only need amplification once in a while. And when you go to the theater, you turn on the telecoil. And then your hearing aids or your devices, how does it couple to that? Um, So this would be a, a device that has, so let's back up for a moment. If you don't have hearing aids yet, but you're listening to this podcast and you only need hearing aids, for example, when you take long trips in the car because there's noise in the car, or you have an an older grandparent who has trouble hearing when you go and visit, you can buy what are called pocket amplifiers. This one is made by Comfort Audio. They also, um, William Sound sells the pocket talker. And those devices can be used one-on-one with a set of earphones. So they function like a hearing aid, but they're handheld. Or... This device has a built-in telecoil. So then when you go to the theater, you tuck this in your purse or in your pocket. And um, when the show starts, you turn it on, put your earphones on your ear, turn your T-coil on in this listening device, and bingo, you're um, connected to the audio system. Right. So you got headset or earbuds that got you. Right. Exactly. And there is even an option for iPhone users. So if you're an iPhone user, you can buy something called Loop Buds. You can Google it on the web, Loop Buds. Um, They're made by a company called Joy, And with a small app inside your iPhone, you can use the iPhone as a loop listening device. And the app is pretty cool because it also allows you to turn captions on right on your phone. You do need good internet service. but um, So there's there's definitely a movement happening. And when you say, why aren't there more hearing loops? Jason, they're coming. There have been thousands of loops installed in the last 10 years, but they are in pockets. 
So they're in the New York area where there's activists. There's they're in Florida, they're in Wisconsin and Michigan, and they're in the Seattle area. And generally, they are led by active consumers, just members from HLAA. They're also led by audiologists who've gotten involved. So you mentioned earlier, why don't audiologists get involved? Well, um, it takes a special kind of audiologist, someone who's really involved with their clients, with their patients, who cares that their clients don't hear well in places that they maybe only go to once or twice a year, but are super important. And that was me. And so I couldn't keep my mouth shut. I had to, you know, advocate for this technology. I will go on a limb to say there isn't an audiologist in practice who doesn't have, if not the majority, at least half of their patients and individuals that are in that category. Yes, ma'am. Church and group settings and group settings can be for hearing impaired individuals, somebody with hearing loss. Holidays are a nightmare. Group gatherings are a nightmare. Fourth of July cookouts are a nightmare. They don't want to go. Now, we're not going to get into the discussion about, you know, as far as the psychological effects and that sort of thing, which are are real 100%. But I mean, as far as access to, you know, traveling. Now, that's one thing I did notice throughout Europe and, and even here. Um, you know, they used to have the uh, smoking rooms in airports, which now they've like made them into teak oil rooms. There'll be a teak oil sign, a telecoil sign. They're looped. Yes, they so do. So you can go in there and you can get, because, and I'm not the only one, anybody with a hearing loss has been sitting in the gate staring at the, at the people at the gate. When are they going to line up? Is that my flight? Has the gate changed? Wait a minute. Why does it say Charlotte now? I'm going to San Antonio. Where's my, you know what I'm saying? So they, they, they do have that in airports in public transit. I know Chicago's, yes. I think they're metro station. They're not. The metro station and um, there are now airports that are installing right. hearing loops at the right. gates. A lot of this is consumer driven, but I have also turned on or activated audiologists who right. are actively uh, promoting um, this technology with their patients. So, it's not as a as a one audiologist in a community of 50,000 people i couldn't do it alone in effect i enlisted my patients as soon as one church got looped in oshkosh wisconsin i started sending all my patients to calvary lutheran church but i'm i'm catholic i'm not lutheran it's like i don't care go to church it's lent Go sit in the back. I don't care. No one's going to question why you're there. Well, Lutheran is Catholic come, light. They would come back after having been to a loop church and they yeah. would go, oh, my God, I could hear the minister lick his lips. Yeah. That's a huge deal. Yeah. They could hear better than the person sitting beside them. Right. And so my patients would say, well, if Calvary Lutheran has it, how do we get it at Peace Lutheran? I said, oh, I have a handout for that. You give that to your minister. How yeah. do we get it at St. Mary's? My patient stepped forward and helped fund hearing loops, Jason. It's not a cost issue. It's a not knowing issue. Right. 
They're unaware. People are unaware that this technology exists. So, and exactly, you're 100% right. My nephew is uh, in audiovisual um, engineering, design, mm-hmm. graphics. Um, if he's listening, I'm, I'm yeah, and I need not, to talk. What's that? He and I need to talk. Yeah. Well, and, and if he's listening, I, um, I'm not doing his, his vocation justice, you know, what his actual title is, but he is all things design, audiovisual, um, you know, production, things like that. So anyway, he did or they, he was telling me when he, when he was visiting last time that they, oh my gosh, I'm going to screw it up, but he was in a place or they were putting together a theater or they were like re uh, um, um, renovating a theater mm-hmm. and somebody came in and put a loop in. loop in where is he located he's in denver i know a great loop installer in the denver, in denver. area i'm sure you do uh, he's in denver he actually i think he i, I probably got on it i know i have it on a text who it was but anyway the point was that he was amazed it's like oh my gosh and like they had some headsets for him to try He's like, oh my god, it's amazing! It blew him away, and and he's like, why don't we do more of this? And I'm like, you know, it's kind of like we are uh, doing can't. more of this, Jason. We are doing more of this, and it's not just the this audiologists has been around for it has been. It's been around for like forty years, fifty now, years. And some audiologists, because it's been around, and because it doesn't say Bluetooth or digital in its name, it. Some audiologists have kind of dismissed it as being old technology, but it is making a big comeback. The reason I'm still drinking water out of a cup is because the cup works and the Romans used them too. They work. (laughs) You know, so loops work. And um, for the listeners who are listening, I recommend that they go back to their audiologist and say, I want you to activate my telecoil. Yes. Not say anything more. I heard about hearing loops on this podcast. I heard what a difference they can make for people who wear hearing aids. I want you to activate my telecoil. And then you have to sit back and not say anything and let the audiologist explain to you, A, if you if you have it, why it was never activated, why you were never given the talk, about yeah. telecoils. Yeah. And if you don't have it, have your audiologist explain why they thought that a T coil wouldn't benefit you. Well, and and just get, and if you're not getting an answer, go someplace else. I mean, you know, no matter what that looks like, and that's not a matter of saying that the um, audiologist is is not doing their job or they have their reasons or, you know, that's that's all debatable. But if you find, or I should say, again, listening um, to this to this episode, that that is something, the loop and telecoil is something you could benefit from. I have, an, I have a great analogy that all your listeners are going to understand. You buy a car. It's a lovely car. You buy it in the summer. You drive it all summer. It's great. And in October, they switch to winter time. And you get out of work and gall darn it, it is dark. And you want to turn on your headlights. And you can't find the button for the headlights. 
and you drive back to the car dealer and you say, you know what? It's dark now at night and I need to know how to turn on my headlights. And the, uh, and the car dealer says, oh, you want to drive your car in the dark? I didn't get you to model with headlights. Gosh. Yeah, and you're so right. you should have told me that you wanted to drive your car in the dark, then I would have gotten you headlights. Every hearing aid user is going to find out that hearing aids have their limitations. They work great for the situation they were designed to work. Five, six feet away, quieter situations, and with accessories, they can be made to work quite well. But the more hearing loss you have, the more the less the hearing aid can help you. And that's when you need to look for assistive technology. And that's where hearing loops, but also FM and infrared systems with neck loops help. We haven't talked about that. If your theater doesn't have a hearing loop, but you'd like to use it, your telecoil, and you know you have one, you need to ask your audiologist to turn it on and to teach you how to use it. The theater will have listening devices, and rather than headphones, they will give you a neck loop. It's a loop that you hang around your neck. You need to drape it kind of wide, and you hang it around your neck, and now you have looped your head, so to speak, you turn on your telecoil and you'll be able to hear Hamilton right at um, in the theater with a neck loop and your hearing aids. So there are options for places that don't have yet installed um, a hearing loop. You can benefit from FM and infrared systems with neck loops. One thing I also want to clarify here is, as you talk about installing installing what does that look like so say we have we have some listeners we have somebody who's you know husband or wife is in in you know um, um some leadership position it'd be at a church or a community center or what have you or an engineer what's 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 with the install you, it's got to be there question great right. so question jason if i want one in this so, room how do i get it what, what okay what in, in your room or in your TV room, um, you can Google um, hearing loop installation and TV, and okay. you, I'm sure you'll find all kinds of references. There is um, a website that's run by somebody who's hard of hearing, Dr. Neil okay. Bauman. He runs a website, hearinglosshelp.org, and he sells hearing loop devices. Um, you need to find the audio output on your television. Okay. You can install the wire against the ceiling in the basement if you're lucky enough to have a house with a basement. Yeah. And you thread the wire back to the TV, plug it in as long as the wire encircles the area where you sit or where you eat at the dining room or work in the kitchen. You'll be able to hear, stand in the kitchen and have the audio broadcast right to your hearing aids. If you don't have a basement you can install a loop pillow. It's a flat pillow that comes with a 30-foot wire, plug it into the TV. And um, we maybe what we should do is put a couple of references on your website sure, we definitely to will. that type of installation. Sure. But 
a large hearing loop, so a loop in a church or in a theater, must meet an international hearing loop standard. And the standard number for the geeky people who are out there is IEC 60118-4. It's an international standard that ensures that every hearing loop meets the signal strength. So the sound magnetically is loud enough that it has a broad frequency response and that it is not installed in places where there is electromagnetic interference. Okay. So older wiring in old churches can sometimes uh, pose a problem. So in order to get a loop installed that meets a standard, you need to deal with a trained hearing loop installer. I'm going to refer the listeners to another website called Time Number 2 Loop America. Time to Loop America. And on that website are all the known installers, I'm sure we've missed some, but there are installers listed there around the country by state. So if you're listening to this podcast and you think, my God, this is what our church needs, you either contact me because this is what I do for people around the country. I link them to the hearing loop installers. I mean, this is my my calling. It's my mission. This is what I do. It's my retirement gig, right? Um, it's a phenomenal thing to help people hear, Jason. And so this is a physical wire that is laid wire. down, whether in the molding, in the ceiling, like around the top of the ceiling or, or in the molding at the floor. In the basement. Yes. Sure. And then you've got to have, and again, rudimentary knowledge here, but there's got to be a transformer or some power source to plug in, right? There's an amplifier. And so the cost of the hearing loop installation is determined by the size of the venue. You know, is it a small room? Is it a big room? You can loop your own TV room for 200 bucks. We're not talking about a whole lot of money here. Right. But if we're talking about a church. This is professional installation. Yes. So the size of the venue um the amount of metal in the building because if okay. there is no metal in the building um a church can be looped with a with with maybe two a figure eight type gotcha. looped wire but if there's a lot of metal in the building like uh, library rooms in these okay. buildings with a lot of um reinforcement in the concrete sure then uh, it requires more wire to be installed. Okay. So, and then the the third determinant is uh, the amount of effort required to hide the wire. Sure, sure, yeah. If there's a beautiful terrazzo floor, yeah, it can be an issue to get a wire yeah, installed. That's right. If you got pop ups from floorboards, it's not as bad as popping up exactly. custom tile. Yeah, exactly. But they can put the wire in the grout between the tiles. It's phenomenal what loop installers sure. can do. Sure. And huh. and is this a, uh, again, for say like new construction, I would think it's something to advocate for. Hey, we're building a new library or we're building a new church. Let's get this in for what, what, and, and again, just a range. You said a few hundred, couple hundred for TV room, you know, something in your home to, 
couple thousand for a, a couple thousand. So it's large starts, room. So that's not I, astronomical. A of, no, a lot of churches are being looped anywhere between three, four, five thousand hmm. dollars if there isn't a lot of metal in the building and sure, the wire right. can be easily hidden. Right. Um, I know that some airports are installing loops that run, you know, a hundred thousand dollars to well, loop several gates. Um, right. But um, for a, a theater, we, we could be talking fifteen, twenty thousand dollars. But then the wire is permanently installed. It's like having wiring in the floor in, in the in the wall for your outlets. Right. Once it's installed, You're it's done. done. Yeah. Um, and it's also the kind of system that venues proudly announce that they have this technology. You know, we have a hearing loop. Switch your hearing aid to telecoil before the meeting. Um so these installers are key to this whole process. And I happen to know installers around the country. So if there's listeners who are wondering, I'm happy to connect people to the most experienced installers so they know they're going to be dealing with somebody who does this for a living or who has done hundreds of them. Right. Are there any, do you find, have you found, and just brainstorming here uh, with you as far as public awareness, advocacy efforts, you know, I mean, we, as we've been talking about like your church, your local church, if, if they're a member of a local HLAA chapter, hopefully this isn't something new that you're bringing up at the next chapter meeting, of course, you know, um, a lot of manufacturers definitely, as I know, the implant manufacturers have community groups and volunteer groups, what kind of, or I guess, do you see a need for, or could you envision a real massive national advocacy effort towards doing this? Especially, we don't have to go into the statistics, but how many individuals are affected by hearing loss? Uh, you know, we estimate somewhere around 48 million people are affected by hearing loss, but um, the distribution of hearing loss is laid out in the form of a pyramid. So about a third of the people are in the bottom base of the pyramid. They have mild hearing loss. Right. It's really the people in the top um, uh, top sure. two layers, if you divide it into three equal layers, it's the top two layers of people who could benefit from hearing loop technology. And they are also the people who are most likely to be using hearing aids and cochlear right. implants. So there is a national campaign going on, oh. um, and that is through HLAA. Okay. If you Google um, hearing loop and HLAA and toolkit, um, the, there is a committee, the Get in the Hearing Loop Committee, although we're not just about hearing loops, we're trying to loop people into the community with our effort. Sure. Um, we have developed a whole toolkit of materials okay. um, from handouts that you can share with your minister, with your librarian, how you can advocate as a consumer with hearing loss for equal access. You and I would be appalled if somebody couldn't get into a building because there was a front stoop too high for the wheelchair 
to negotiate, right? 100%, Everybody 100%. would be up in arms. Yep. We're going to build a ramp because Jason needs to get into the church. Right. But we let people with hearing loss struggle on their own. And people with hearing loss need to recognize that they have a disability. They have a hearing loss disability. Now, you can't see it. You look very normal. Um, and you may act Okay, you you know when you don't hear something, Jason, what do you do? You stop yeah. going. You yeah. you you don't ask oh, yeah. after the second or the third time if somebody gets annoyed, you don't go back. You don't go to certain restaurants because it's too noisy. But you have a legal right to hear in these places of public accommodation, such as your city council room or the local theater or the library meeting room. Right. Your church is exempted because it is a nonprofit organization, right. Right. but right. a lot of churches want to be accessible. Of course. So my patients started speaking up for the technology. I didn't have to do it. They spoke up. There are 60 places in Oshkosh that have installed the technology. Wow. From the convention center to the, the library, retirement communities. Um, and the fun thing is, is that as a consumer, you may plant a seed about installing a hearing loop. And it may take a while before the church gets new carpeting. And that's the right time to install a loop because the carpeting is out. Exactly. The wiring can go right underneath. Carpeting sure. goes over. Um, some of these loops can can literally happen in a matter of days. Yeah, so, I have seen some installations. And uh, the last one was, well, I guess they were doing it in a library. Um, but yeah, no, you're 100% right. Well, as you put it very well, you had said, the loop technology does for hearing aids what no other assistive device can, you know? So, and it's again, the ramp with, for hearing for wheelchair users, a hearing loop is a ramp for hearing aid users. It's well put. It's just, I, Jason, you and I could talk all afternoon. I know <laughs> we probably will. Um, yes. Well, and and again, as as so many different themes here on on this podcast on living life aloud, you hear people's stories, you let them share their stories, how they've overcome challenges, how they've self advocated, and this is directly in line. This is something that's huge um, that can make a real difference to, again, individuals with hearing loss. But it's about access, you know, and 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 we have a right to it, and that's not a political statement. That is an actual. Uh, truth and you know it's but it does again begin with it really does begin with the individual they're going to have the support to to help them be able to say hey i need this and again whether it's and and i'm not going to go into and i'm sure there'll be comments about the disability or hearing impaired please know that nothing said is ever to devalue anyone's existence or their own challenges or what have you. It's about a need and specifically yeah. a need and an avenue to communicate effectively so that we can communicate again, our needs with each other personally, socially, vocationally. So um, that's, that's really what this is all about. It's not about, it's not about getting more 
sales of devices. It's not about getting more, um, no, honestly, it's everything about getting more out of devices that you already may have in your exactly. ear. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Juliet, I appreciate it so much. Uh, you are a wealth of information. I'm going to share all the information that uh, we've discussed here in the show notes uh, on the website as well. And um, I'll get with you and you can maybe send me some other links on anything that you might want shared. I'm happy and- to help you out, Jason, anytime. All right. I well. really appreciate you giving me the chance to talk about my second favorite subject. My first favorite subject is my family. Oh, well. And my husband, <laughs> who's probably heard me give this spiel <laughs> about uh, 10,000 times. <laughs> oh, he's, folks, for our listeners, she turned the camera, he's sitting there listening, and he's like, I have heard this so much, he could be the one on right now. We, he could give the interviews <laughs> as much Actually, as he heard. he could. <laughs> I'm sure he could. All right, well, listen, it's been a joy, and I appreciate uh, you. Same here. Thank you again for inviting me. There you have it, folks. Juliet Sturkins. For more information, check out her bio in the show notes. And if you like what we're doing here, hit subscribe and leave us a rating. We appreciate you. And remember, continue living life aloud. Edited by me. Music by Lauren Zettler. Until next time.